0: So as Hannah wonderfully pointed out this morning, if my clicker will work, there we go, um, we're going to talk about communion. And the reason we're going to talk about communion is this. We're going to talk about communion because I heard a preacher story growing up, and it stuck with me, and it's a story of a guy gets married, and his, his wife is cooking a roast. She puts the roast in the pan, but before she does, she cuts off both ends of the roast. And he makes this rookie mistake that um, anybody in here knows not to make, and he goes, well that's not how my mama does it. <laughs> um, and so she goes, well what do you mean? he says, well why do you cut off the ends of the roast before you put them in the pan? And she says, I don't know, that's how my mama did it. And so. Him, still not learning his lesson, goes to her mama and goes, Hey, why do you cut the ends off the roast in the before you put it in the pan? She says, I don't know. That's how my mama did it. So they go to grandma and they ask grandma, Why do you cut the ends off the roast before you put it in the pan? She goes, I have no idea why they did it. She said, I did it because I didn't have a pan big enough to hold the roast. And I think so often, I tell that story, it's an old preacher story, obviously, but I tell that story because I think communion's the same way that we go, hey, why do you come to communion? What is communion about? And you go, I don't know. My mama did it. My daddy did it. I went, I grew up doing it. I don't know what it's all about. Or, or we, and we keep going down the line and we never really understand what it means when we talk about coming to the table. And so I wanted to take a little bit of time just to kind of look at that, um, Anybody in here, and especially in this time of social distancing and all that stuff, um, anybody in here miss like being able to go like to cookouts and to like dinner parties and like hang out with people and like be present with one another? Or is that just me? I mean, I'm an I'm an extrovert. I miss it, but like I love these types of gatherings. Always have growing up and. And I love table time when you get to find yourself sitting around a table with a group of people and you never really know where the conversation is going to go. And you just find yourself engaging with one another, being present with one another. And the time doesn't matter, what's going on doesn't matter. It's, you're just present with each other. And I think Jesus was the same way, because that's ultimately what we see in the act of communion, is Jesus is, and we're going to walk through the story, but Jesus is having a meal with friends. It's around the Passover, so imagine like your your family and all your friends are in town because it's a holiday, and y'all are having a cookout, it's a 4th of July cookout, it's a It's a Memorial Day cookout, whatever. And I know that's a very loose translation, so don't like go and tell people, well, Ryan said Passover is just like 4th of July. No, he didn't say that. But the mentality is the same. They're hanging out, it's a holiday, they're doing the meal meal ritual that you would at Passover just like having a cookout is the meal ritual that you would do for the 4th of July, right? And so they're doing this. And so you look in Matthew chapter 26, If you're following along, that'll be fine. If not, I'm going to tell you what it says anyway. But if you look at verses 14 through 19, this is what happens. It says one of the 12, so one of the 12 disciples, one of Jesus' closest friends, who was called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, what will you give me if I betray him to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment on, he began to look for an opportunity to betray Jesus. And on the first day of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where do you want us to make the preparations for us to eat the Passover? So they're going, hey, where are we going to have the cookout? Where are we go? Like, you tell us, Jesus. And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says my time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And so the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. And so what we see just in in that small portion is not what we would all the time connect with communion. Like when we think about communion, we're going to get to that part where it's like body and blood, all that good stuff. But we have to set the table in order to come to the table. Um, we always joke with my mama because my mama, y'all may know somebody like this is one of those that will continually be setting the table and never actually sit down to eat with anybody like all the time we're sitting there eating a meal and she's like, oh I forgot this oh I forgot that, like we've got to set the table and so to set the table what we hear is this is Judas has already put into place the plan to betray Jesus And I mean, I'm not just saying like he's going to go tell a little bit of lie about Jesus. Like, we know how this ends. But I don't want us to miss this fact that Judas, Jesus already knew that Judas had betrayed him, had put into place the plan that's going to get him arrested and ultimately killed. And what does Jesus do? He invites him to the table. Now, let's jump over here to how we react. Somebody says something mean about you. Somebody says something hurtful about you. Somebody talks about you to your friends. Something happens to you and somebody does you wrong. Um, All of a sudden, they're not only not getting invited to this cookout, they're no longer on your Christmas card list. They're no longer on your group messages. They're no longer associated with you at all. Because we want to hold on to it forever. I read a quote and I actually posted it this morning, and it's weird how God works that way. It said that um, a grudge is like a hand grenade. You've got to get rid of it, or it's gonna blow you up. You just gotta let it go sometimes. Like, yes, here's the reality is people are going to do things that hurt you. Here's also the reality. You're going to do things that hurt other people. It is the way it is. Um, But so Jesus knows that Judas has done. All of this, and what does he say? He says, you're welcome at the table. He doesn't say, all right, we're going to go have the cookout. Everybody but Judas is invited. He doesn't do that. And so he he says, go find out where we're going to have our meal. And I probably should learn to click through my slides while I'm talking, but you know that doesn't always happen. Um, But continuing in verse 20, what we hear is this. It says, And when it was evening, he took his place with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed and began to say to him, One after another, Surely not I, Lord. And he answered, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, But woe to the one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. Judas, who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. And he replied, You have said so. So this is like the most awkward situation in almost all of Scripture when you really get down to it. I think we gloss over this whole thing. We're like, Oh, yeah, that's what happened, right? Um, This is what's happening. They're at a cookout. And all of a sudden, Jesus is like, hey, I know somebody been talking about me. I know somebody's done me wrong. And all the buddies are going like, oh, it ain't me, man. We're good. It ain't me. And then he's like, he's like, no, nah, it's the one that was over there at the chip bowl that was eating with me. And then all of a sudden, Judas, knowing that that's him, is like, no, nah, surely it's not me, man. I'm not like that. And he's like, oh, okay. Okay. And this is that moment where if you're one of those people that's sitting around, if you're me and you don't like awkward situations, you're kind of like skirting out the back door. You're like, awkward, I'm out. Like, I don't want to be a part of this. Because this is the night that Jesus knows he's going to be betrayed. He's sitting down trying to have a meal with his friends, and then he calls out Judas. And I want to point this out because this is something else that we need to know about communion. Because there are times, heaven forbid, in the church where you find yourself coming to the table and there is somebody that is kneeling next to you, sitting next to you, that you've got issue with. I know that never happens at this church, but it's happened at other churches, I'm sure. Um, But what we are called to do is, just as Jesus did, we're called to have those hard conversations. This is why if we were to break out the hymnal and open it up and read the liturgy, that it talks about if you have any issues with your brother or sister to resolve it before you come to the table. To say, hey, my heart's not right. My heart's not ready to come to the table. And that's what Jesus is doing. Is He's going, hey, guess what? This is just, we're just going to clear the air right now. And we're going to say this is what it is before we come to the table. So, maybe you're sitting there and you're going, well, I know we're about to have communion, but that Blake Pickering, he, man, he rubbed me the wrong way, and I need to let him know. This is not the gut to say, let's go out to the parking lot, but to say, like, maybe we just need, y'all just need to clear the air. Just because not alone. so maybe they need to clear the air. I mean, I, don't please don't take it to the parking lot. Uh, so, I mean, but yeah, so Jesus knows he's been betrayed. Like, and not just, like, slightly betrayed. Like, I told you a secret, and you went and told uh, another one of our friends. Like, he has sold him out. Completely, Um, and so, but then Jesus does this really, and I think we like to like gloss over this one too. But Jesus does something that's really, really, really weird, if we're honest. And if you look at verses twenty-six to thirty, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and this is where it gets weird. He said, "Take and eat. This is my body." And then he took a cup, and giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with my father's, in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So, Like, let's just not gloss over how weird of a statement this is. Like, legitimately strange stuff that's going on. Like, imagine you're hanging out at a cookout and your buddy grabs a hamburger bun and he's like, Hey, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. You're like, you're weird and I'm out of here. Like, that's what's happening. Jesus is sitting there. They've had a meal. He's made it super awkward because he's called out Judas. And now he's making it more awkward, if we're honest, because he's going, hey, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. And if this sounds normal to you, I'm here to tell you, you need new friends. Like, if your friends are doing this kind of stuff on a regular basis, your friends are weird. Like... Do we not realize how crazy this ultimately sounds? I think we gloss over it and go, oh, we know what happens. But think about it in the moment of what is going on. Like not uh, as a gloss over of, well, we know Jesus is the Messiah and all this. Yes, they're worshiping and yes, they're following Jesus. But Jesus then looks at them and goes, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. And this is the first time they hear it. This is not some sort of cannibalism, though. I do want to go ahead and clear that up um, because there's different belief systems and different things that get really... Like, the way in which we believe and interpret this section of Scripture is very, very interesting. But as a united Methodist, um, there is a way in which we describe this. And it's... Hey Jackson Picker. Hey you want a dollar? Do you want a dollar? You do? Okay, come here. Come here. If you want a dollar, come here. Come here. That's a dollar, right? Oh, oh, it's just a piece of paper? Well, what's the difference in a dollar and a piece of paper? I'm going to give you a dollar later, I promise. Thank you for being an example. But what's the difference? What is the difference in a dollar and a piece of paper? What's on it? What's What's backing it? What's, I mean, and so the, the significance is not the paper at all. It's what's behind the paper. And so here's what we need to realize about communion is the significance is not in the bread and in the juice it's what's behind the bread and the juice. I think often we go, oh, I, I, I mean, I, me and Jill were joking about um, different ways that we could do communion. I don't remember what you even mentioned the other day. Well, I think it was coffee and donuts is the idea to do communion with. And you're like, that's probably not the best idea. And I was like, I've done communion with Oreos and milk before. Because it's what we had, and it's not necessarily the things that you use so much as it is what's behind them. And what is behind them is that Jesus is proclaiming this idea that his body is going to be broken. And his blood is going to be shed for his disciples and for us. And so his disciples eat the bread that Jesus offers them, and they drank from the cup, but I still don't think they fully understand it. And you see that because we do know the rest of the story and we know what happens after Jesus' death. They're mourning and they lock themselves away in the upper room because they don't know what's happening. They still don't get it even as Jesus is explaining it to them, but they trusted him. They trusted their friend and their leader and Jesus invited his friends to the table for a meal and he invites us to that same table. His his invitation wasn't just for those that were brought together that night, but it is an invitation to all of us. It's open to all who would eat and drink and remember. So when we take communion now, obviously we're not sitting at a physical table with Jesus who's made it super awkward for everybody involved, Um, but there's a reality of what's happening that it is still very awkward, and and it should not be something that we just go, oh yeah, that's what we do, but there's something to take seriously and to think about. Like, when we walk through this, how many of us have ever actually stopped and thought about the story of what's happening in this instance? And so what we're hearing is that we are called to remember that instance and to remember what's going on, that while Judas had betrayed Jesus, Y'all going to make me preach a little bit. Uh, but while Judas had betrayed Jesus, Judas as a sinner, us as sinners, guess who's still invited to the table? All he wants Judas to do is acknowledge his sin. As he says, hey, one of you is going to betray me. He just wants Judas to be honest about it and open about it and go, yeah, I did it. I'm sorry. So here's my question. Are we willing, before we're not going to come to the table because you're already at the table but are we willing before we partake in this meal to go hey God guess what I did it I'm sorry this is what we're called to do it's not just a oh yeah let me receive Jesus Christ I was talking to the youth this past week about the idea of repentance and repentance doesn't mean going I'm sorry and go off and do it again like you know Maybe your kids do, or maybe as a husband or a wife, you do to your spouse. Where you're like, I'm sorry, but you're not really sorry. You just, don't, you just want to get the argument over with. Like, I've, I've been there. It happens. I get it. Um, but what it's ultimately is, is it's a U-turn from. It is to say, to repent is to say, I'm doing this, and now I'm turning away from. It's not just a change of action. It's a change of heart and mind to say, I don't want to do this anymore. And this is what is paramount to our understanding of the Scripture. This is what is paramount to when we come to the table, is that we understand as we look at the story of the First Communion, of the Last Supper, of whatever terminology you want to use for it, we are still welcome at the table. Broken vessels. And God says, come to the table. Now granted, don't be uncomfortable when God calls it out and goes, hey, so I know that we got some sinners at the table. Don't be that person that goes, it ain't me, I didn't do it. But just be honest about it. And maybe this is something that you need to do at your table, seeing as we're sitting with family, and who else, if we can't be honest with our family, who else can we be honest with? Some of you are going, no, I'm good. Uh, but maybe we just need to like, think about what are those things that we need to honestly confess and repent about this morning. What are those things that we need to go, you know what, God, I'm not ready to come to the table because I know what it is that I need to get off my heart. Side note that I didn't even put in my notes, but it happens sometimes, you know, whenever I start talking and I'm a verbal processor, that's how it works. Um, But this idea of do this in remembrance of me is more than just a challenge for you to remember the story that was just told. But, here's the beauty of the story, is when we take the bread, and we break the bread, and we hear about that and it being dispersed to the entire body, when we remember Jesus, it is called as a challenge for us to come together to be the body of Christ. It's to remember, not necessarily just mentally, but also physically to come together and be the body because the body has been broken and distributed to each of us, which is a recall that we all are a part of the body of Christ. I don't think y'all heard me, but I think God, we need to hear this. Like, we are the body of Christ, and so when we partake of this, of this juice and this bread, it's not just holy snack time, but it's a remember that we are called to be Christ on this earth, his hands and his feet, and that all are welcome at the table. The sinners, the motley crew of misfits, even the Judases are welcome at the table. So as we get ready to partake of Holy Communion, what are those things that you need to do to prepare yourself to come to the table? My mama would always make me, for some reason, wash my hands before I came to the table. It didn't even matter if I just got out of the shower. She's still like, wash your hands. But, like, what what are those things that you need to do to prepare for the meal? And I would challenge you that while, yes, we're going to bless the communion, and while, yes, we're going to to institute all that good stuff, uh, here's my challenge for you because I'm looking around and I'm realizing. All, all of you are sitting with your families. Every one of them. So here's my challenge is that if you look around and go, you know what? I'd rather take, because it'll be prayed over, it'll be blessed, all that. I'd rather take this home and have a time where we get our hearts and minds right for communion. Do that. Now, some of you may be going, that's a little awkward, not a, and people are going to be looking around. That's fine too. Feel free to take it here. But that's my challenge to you: is to what do you need to do to prepare for Holy Communion? That it's not just a snack time. We talked, we joked about it in staff meeting this past week: that, like, man, when we get rid of oyster crackers and go to those little wafers, people aren't going to like communion as much because those wafers don't have any flavor. And, like, I'm like, yeah, that's true. And I do miss it. I miss Hawaiian bread most of all. Oh, my goodness. Um, But, like, the reality is, is, is let us not miss, just like I said about the dollar, it's not about what we use, but it's about what's behind it. That God says, I am breaking my body and shedding my blood for you for the forgiveness of sins. That you can come to the table. That you are welcome at my family's table if you're willing to admit it, admit what you've done, repent, and come. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, pour out your spirit and on these gifts of bread and juice that they may be for us the body and blood of Christ as we are the body and blood of Christ in this world that so badly needs to see, hear, and feel your presence, O oh God. O oh God, search our hearts Guide us to a place of repentance for the ways in which we have wronged you. Guide us to a place of forgiveness in you, that we may be made whole. And as we are made whole, we are remembering your body, going forth and serving you with all that we are. We pray all of these things in your Son's name. Amen.